Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique and I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 14th, you're gonna get the following. A magic morning journal, which is going to help you every day to set your energy in the right way, daily prompts. Plus, you're gonna get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me, and you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, you will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the Platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there, see what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. If you hear the whisper, if you keep getting the idea, and if you love it, you know, just do it. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full-time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want and you absolutely are here to serve the world and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you and every single week we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way to help you be more successful to help you be the truest expression of you my name is Kathy Heller I'm so glad that you're here let's dive in Thanks to HoneyBook for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. If you run your own business, you're used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. 
Go to tryhoneybook.com slash dreamjob for 50% off your first year. We're also brought to you by Skillshare. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare, a premium membership for free at skillshare.com slash dreamjob2. Also, thanks to Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com slash dreamjob to discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm so excited you're here today because Yardley Smith is here. That's right. She is such a deep, beautiful soul. You know her. She plays Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons and she's done so many other incredible things. I'm going to get to that in one second. You will be so glad that you showed up for today's episode. One of my very favorite humans I've ever met and she's here. Before we dive into that, I just wanted to share something with you because we're still in January. It's still the beginning of the year. I wanted to share something with you. Every single year on New Year's Eve, I do this with my friends. We get together and we write down the year and we finish this sentence starting with whatever year it is. We say 2020 was the most incredible year because, and then we finish that sentence as if we're saying it a year from now. And I'm curious what you're going to write down. I'd love for you to do that and, and write it in your phone or write it with a pen and paper as if you're looking back next January on this year. Why? What it, what happened this year? Because you're looking ahead at this beautiful ground of potential. And I've said this to you before, but the difference between successful people and people who want success is that successful people, they have a lens through which they're looking at the world and they see possibility everywhere right? You ever have that moment where you're walking with someone on a beautiful street and someone's complaining about the gum on the bottom of their shoe and you're going, oh my God, look at the sky, right? I want you to think about what you want for this year and what you're going to do to make sure that that happens. At the end of the day, you guys, from zero to seven, we were all in this like theta state And everyone gets brainwashed and we all get brainwashed by the people around us still. And that's why James Clear said who you spend time with matters more than anything else. But at the end of the day, fortune favors the brave. And I've met people who have brilliant ideas and I've met people with mediocre ideas, but it's always execution that wins, right? If it's a mediocre idea, but that person is really going for it and they're taking lots of at-bats and they're taking action they're going to win over the person who has a beautiful idea collecting dust. And in order for you to take action, what did Angela Duckworth teach us when she was here? She said, the thing that we need most is grit. And the thing that actually ensures grit is optimism. So I hope that listening to this podcast is starting to rewire some of those beliefs because beliefs are the things that dictate how much action we take. And then our actions decide the results of our life. And all really is powered by that supercharger, which is what those beliefs are telling you every single day. And I believe in you. And I believe, you know, I have three little girls who were watching Moana the other day. And let's just give it up for characters that are female who are in these movies now, as opposed to princesses who are waiting for a guy to come and save them. I'm just so happy that I have three little kids. And by the way, Yardley Smith is here. And I think Lisa Simpson is definitely the hero of that whole family. So same point, but with Moana, right? My, my middle daughter loves Moana. And I think about that story and how that's all of us. That's, that's our story too, right? Like she's been told her whole life, Moana, don't go out there. You won't make it. People have tried. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get killed. 
you stay on this island. And we all are being told that there's a ceiling. And yet the horizon is calling. The sky is calling. And you know it. And so in order for you to go and take that action, what has to happen? You need new glasses and maybe some new strategy. And so hopefully this show is doing that for you. That's why I'm here. Because I believe that if you're here, you came here for a reason. And we need you, like I said in last week's episode. So that's why I wrote on my Instagram a couple of days ago, 2020 is very personal. I owe myself a lot. We do owe ourselves a lot. And I want to know where you're going to be in three months and six months and what you're going to do now to prepare so that when it comes to New Year's 2021, where are you at and what are you able to say? And that's why I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be doing this program called Made to Do This. Enrollment is open for the next five days, you guys. And we just announced a new bonus, which is good till tonight. There's actually two awesome new bonuses. In addition to the program, which is not an online course, yes, we'll be using technology so that we can talk to each other on the computer, but this is not an online course. It's a coaching program. So it's the price of it is way, way under market, right? And the price will go up the next time, but this is our new year offer. And I think it's just it feels so right to do this, especially because I want to just get into it with you guys. I will be showing up every week to coach you. But in addition, I have people who work for me full-time who are on my team full-time. You will each be assigned your own coach. And there's also, you'll be put into pods for accountability. And in addition to that, there are videos and homework assignments and we have a no fail policy. So no one gets left behind. If you want to join this program, you can go to madetodothis.com. You can go to the link in my Instagram bio, but the two bonuses that will expire tonight at midnight, uh, Laura Belgray will be coming on. You know her, she and Marie Forleo have a program called The Copy Cure, and she will be teaching you how do you get paid to be you and how do you write emails that people actually open? She'll be there live to answer questions. And Laura is amazing and her day rate is thousands of dollars. So that is so much value and I'll be there with her and we'll have like an amazing, we'll hear some amazing wisdom from her. Then we'll do some Q and A and Jacqueline Malone, who's been on the show. Who's awesome. She has a podcast called go to gal. She'll be there live to help you really suss out. What is the thing that you can be known for? What is your signature offer? And this program is good for anyone who either knows what they want to do and wants to build that business now and start to get that hit that benchmark by the end where you're finding clients and making money so you can now be scaling that business or those of you who don't know what you want to do. But I venture that if you're not already making six figures, you might have an idea what you want to do. You might know you want to be in the ice cream business. You might know you want to be in the candle making business. You might know you want to do something with yoga, but you probably don't know for certain what the signature offer is and who it serves. And this program will help you to figure that out and then give you a play-by-play of my five-step launch method, which will go ahead and help you drag and drop, do the things that I'm going to tell you to do to start to get that momentum, start to get the customers aware of who you are to start to give and to start to serve without ever having to sell again because you're showing up with empathy. And I'm going to show you how to build trust and intimacy and just 
really hear and listen. So you're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, but you're making them the things that they need. And it's not hard and it's not impossible to start serving eight people, 11 people and start bringing in a few thousand dollars a month and then thinking, where do these people already hang out? What blogs do they read? What shops do they already hang out at? What podcasts do they listen to? And then where can I go so I can get in front of this audience? We are going to work on this. And I am so excited because you will be standing 90 days from now, if you join this program in a place where you feel like you arrived at your own door and you will be so excited because you will see, and you will have literally certainty about the possibility and it will be so exhilarating. So if you want to join us, the enrollment is open till Friday. You can go to made to do this.com. And I am so excited. Okay. Now let's get into the treasure of an episode, which is today. I'm so excited because we have the Emmy award-winning actress, novelist, playwright, podcast host, and producer, Yardley Smith. She's here today. Some of you might recognize her or more specifically her voice because she has played the iconic character Lisa Simpson for over 30 years. She's also been in movies like As Good As It Gets, Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive, The Mindy Project, The Big Bang Theory, Mad Men, The Legend of Billie Jean. There's just so much that she's done. If it wasn't enough to be Lisa Simpson, Yardley runs her own award-winning feature production company, paperclip and she hosts and produces the podcast small town dicks which is a show that follows big time crime in small town usa and it is so good it's a really amazing podcast we're going to talk about it in this episode at the end all of the cases are told by actual detectives who investigated those cases and it's been featured in places like vulture the guardian vanity fair and so many more places it was just such a joy it was such a gift to speak to her she is so real and so deep, so generous. She's like all the best parts of Lisa Simpson and even more. So without further ado, please welcome the absolutely delightful Yardley Smith. Yardley Smith, this is such a good day in my life to get to be with you. Thank you for being here and making the time. Thank you for having me. I'm so, I really am deeply honored to be here. I'm a huge fan of your podcast and as I just mentioned, I'm half an hour from finishing your book on Audible. And I'm dead. That's the bottom line. Is <laughs> I don't even know how to explain what that means to me. Um, so I'm not even going to try, but it's, uh, it's a big deal to me. So thank you for making me feel seen and like a human. Um, so let's talk about you. I'm sure that it's easy for people who have watched you and been a fan for a long time to have this belief that it was easy, right? And you just like woke up and you were Lisa Simpson, you were a star, but there was a journey. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? It's interesting because freshly off having listened to your book, one of the things you often talk about is that it's rare for people to have known what they wanted to do um, from a very young age. And I am one of those people. And I have an older brother who's 16 months older than me, and he is not one of those people. I think it was actually quite hard for him, for me to have known since the time I was five that I wanted to be an actor. And his name is Thomas. And Thomas really has done so many things and, and is good at so many things. And, and I think he felt like, how come I didn't wake up and know what my path yeah. was? Yeah. But despite having known what my path was, and despite having had such a singular focus, I think... And in some ways, it was easy in that because I didn't want to do anything else and therefore I didn't do anything else, I just did drama in school. But the downside of that is when I got to be an adult, I also didn't know how to create balance to my life. 
And the fallout was that after about 12 years, so the first 12 years of my career took off like a rocket. It, everything was going exactly the way I thought it should. Like I graduated from high school. I got a job three days out of high school at a, a small but really good theater in Washington, D.C., where I grew up. I got wild reviews, wild reviews in the newspapers. Wow. Like your mother would write if your mother really loved you, <laughs> right? And uh, <laughs> that led to an audition at Arena Stage, which is a really good theater in Washington, D.C. I got cast in two shows there. I ended up doing a reading of a play um, actually by Louis Black, who's a, you know, a really famous comedian now. Back then, he was not. And um, from that play, which they ended up doing at a summer theater in Ohio, I got a New York agent. All of that happened within one year. Wow. And then I moved to New York two weeks after doing that play in Ohio at that summer theater. And I was auditioning for Mike Nichols on Broadway within six weeks of being in New York. And I got that job. Amazing. And what I didn't oh know was actually the job was understudying Cynthia Nixon in this play called The Real Thing, starring Jeremy Irons, Glenn Close, Peter Gallagher, Christine Baranski. Not normal. It Just was so... But at the same time, when my agent said, you're going to understudy Yardley, I'm like, I'm going to what? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. The train is coming off the tracks. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, what? And you are. She said, you're going to sit down and be quiet and you're going to pay attention and take this job. And um, so I said, yes, yes, I am. So, uh, so I did. <laughs> And um, the serendipity of, of course, I learned so much. This was uh, 1983, and I was 19 years old. I'd never had an acting lesson. I was this girl from nowhere. And so we opened on Broadway in January of 1984. My God, what a story. I can't believe this. Incredible. And Cynthia was then pulled out of The Real Thing in March of 84 to go do Mike Nichols' new Broadway play, Hurley Burley. And I got to take over the part. This was a huge break. And what I did not know was understudies never take over the part. It was massive. And so I got to do it with the original cast until June when they changed the cast over and then I stayed on. And so to be able to be on stage with Jeremy Irons and Christine Baranski, because there was only one scene, was huge. And then in that time, you know, I did my first three movies, one of which was uh, the first one was Heaven Help Us, which starred, of course, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson was in it and Patrick Dempsey, Donald Sutherland and, you know, everybody. Then I did The Legend of Billie Jean, which has become a huge cult classic, which, of course, bombed at the box office when it came out. I always say it was barely out long enough to run the end credits. And thank God for cable. Like, cable television had just sort of come on the scene, and they didn't have anything. And so that movie ran ad nauseum 24-7 for years. So anyway, long story short, things had really kicked off. I did Maximum Overdrive, the Stephen King movie that Stephen King directed. Uh, All of these things at every turn, I thought, oh, this is going to make me a star. And of course it didn't because these movies didn't do well. But I will say each of those characters was what we call a breakout character in our business, you know? So they continued to get me noticed 
And when I did the real thing on Broadway, um, I got an LA agent because my New York agent didn't have an LA office. So I came out to Los Angeles to do pilot season. I immediately got a pilot. This pilot was terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And even as ambitious as I was, I remember thinking, I hope this pilot doesn't go because I'll shoot myself. <laughs> and thank God it didn't go. But I continued to get guest spot roles and blah, blah, blah. And in the mix of that, I got an audition for this funny little voiceover called The Simpsons. Now, I didn't have a voiceover agent. I never wanted to do voiceover. And part of that was I had been teased so relentlessly for my voice as a kid. You know, I have a funny, high, nasally. Now everybody's like, yes, but now it's iconic. Trust me, when I was, you know, 12, when I was 16, when I was 20, it was not iconic. I had been so shamed for it. I never considered it an asset. Hmm. I didn't think enough to change it to sort of really alter it. You know how sometimes... If somebody has, for instance, a a regional accent, they really go the lengths to wipe that out completely. That didn't occur to me, but I just thought, well, screw that. And also, I will say in our business, voiceover is kind of like the ugly stepchild of acting. You know, there's this trend now and has been, I guess, for a solid decade, where you have these really big celebrities doing these voiceovers and these big animated films and That's great, but there's this kind of like, yeah, I'm sort of slumming it, you know, I'm doing this voiceover. (laughs) And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that I don't consider voiceover any um, requiring any less skill or any less emotion or any less a part of my heart and my soul than I do when I'm in front of the camera or on stage. Well, it shows. I mean, that's why the show is so phenomenal because the acting is it's the best acting. It's the best comedic timing. I mean, you, Hank Azaria, Julie Kavner, Dan Castle, these are like the, these are incredibly special, holy humans. Like that's why the show works, right? And everybody knows that there's no, I mean, if something is successful for a year, okay, maybe you can say there was a luck that 30 seasons of something, it's like, oh, right. Cause there, there must be some there, there must be something there. Yeah. But I too, bought into that, oh, this doesn't really count, this form of art. And so it, so I remember when I was listening to your book, there's the potter who wanted to make yeah. beautiful, artful pottery, and then he made the funny, dribbly. Yeah, Brian Janiski, yeah. Uh-huh. So he made the dribbly little pots, and everybody <laughs> bought them and were so fabulously enamored of them, and those sold like gangbusters. He's like, no, 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 but I want to make the arty pots. Yeah. And so uh, he sort of, you know, fought against that for a while. And then he continued to starve. And then he went back to dribbly pots. And then he realized, okay, I can do both. They're not mutually exclusive, Mm -hmm. right? And so it took me many years because, and it's funny, you know, I, I talk about digital permanence often in interviews now with the internet. It's a blessing and a curse. People are like, so Yardley... There was a time when um, you really didn't enjoy doing Lisa Simpson. I'm like, okay. Oh, God. Let me just explain that. Um, What is true is that I always, always loved my character. What is also true is that, and here's where I would tell your listeners, here's a cautionary tale. Have a vision, 
but do not attach to the vision of your success that you concoct when you're five years old and let that be the one and only way that you're going to achieve success. Yeah, that's right. Stay nimble, right? And the irony is, is that as, as nimble as I thought and considered myself to be, I was actually incredibly rigid. And it took me a long time to forgive myself for not achieving the really so very specific idea of what I thought my success, my stardom, my sort of trophies would be as an actor and realize maybe they would come in a different and yet more rewarding form. Yeah. And that was when I was able to recognize that regardless of, you know, people still come up to me and go, oh, so you just do voiceover, right? Mm. And it's the just, of course, that is the qualifier that makes it seem like it's less than. Right. And so, you know, you often say in your book and in your podcast, speak to your tribe of 200. Don't try to satisfy 2,000 who are sort of half there, mm. right, who, who don't really love and support and recognize what you do, who don't really see you. And the people who really resonate with Lisa Simpson and with our show and the other things that I stand for, the nonprofits that I give to and things like that, those are the people that I really am interested in engaging with. And the ones who say, you just do voiceover, right? I'm like, meh. Yeah. It is amazing. There's 7 billion plus people on the planet and there's a few people who don't see us and we focus on those people as opposed to the people who go, thank God for showing up because I love that you do this. You don't know how this has changed my world, changed my life, especially in the last 30 years with what's gone on in this world. For so many people, that show is the constant. That show is the oh my God, it makes me forget everything because it's so darn good and I get to go into this world. And it's just, you, and you know that, but I do think that everybody deeply wants to be seen. And so it hurts when we feel like maybe people don't get it. And it's like, I'm working so hard and I'm showing up with everything. And there are people who think that this is less than that. Um, I mean, you weren't as good as it gets. Like, how much better of a movie could you be in? Like, you you were on Broadway. You've done all the things. And yet, you kept being led back to this show. And the success of the show is undeniable. And it was like, be here, Yardley. Like, we need you here. (laughs) Yes, yes. And boy, did I, as I said, I mean, I so resisted that. Yeah. I love everything you're saying, but let's just take a quick ad break to thank our sponsors. One thing I'd like to do more this year is have a better exercise routine. But if you're anything like me, you know that getting the gym is such a challenge. And that's why I want to tell you about Echelon Fit. I've teamed up with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com slash dreamjob to discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms, gym buffs, non-gym buffs like me. They have daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home so you never have to step foot in a gym. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. 
Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Plus, if you aren't 100% satisfied, they're going to give you your money back. Go to echelonfit.com slash dreamjob to learn about their limited time, free Apple, iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash dreamjob, echelonfit.com slash dreamjob. You know, Yardley's career as Lisa Simpson is amazing, but what's really impressive is that she's branching out to other projects and trying and learning new things all the time. You can make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with Skillshare's online classes. What you find just might surprise and inspire you. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to forge ahead in their creative journey. There's thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics, including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. This is a membership with meaning. You get real projects, support from fellow creatives, and the empowerment to accomplish real growth. It's also incredibly affordable, and annual subscription is less than $10 a month. I can't get enough of their productivity classes and painting classes, and it's so convenient for me because I can do it at my own pace on my own schedule. Another class I want to check out is Instagram-worthy photography. I use Instagram all the time, and even though I don't post photographs that often, it would be really nice to have that extra skill in my back pocket in case I decide to go in that direction someday. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2 and get two free months of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free, Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. That's Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. I want to go into one thing because it comes up all the time with our listeners, which is it's this thing of like, am I enough and worthiness? And people have this thing called perfectionism, which is really just fear and so much because it can appear like you never had self-doubt. You never were overthinking it. But I know being in this business, it's a really tough business. There must be moments when you have that. How do you push through that? Actually afraid of everything. I really am. I have terrible anxiety. And I have days where I talk about perfectionism. I can hardly get out of the closet, right? And I always say, I'm actually not fearless. I just have this overabundance of courage to overcome my terrible fear of everything. And um, I love that. That's so beautiful. I, in my really later in life, because I, my perfectionism, I mean, there's that great phrase, perfection is the enemy of good. Yeah, that's right. And I learned that so late, you know, perfectionism will make you so miserable because of course you can't achieve it. And what it does is it robs you of your successes. And I would say I have a terrible memory, but really what is it, what it is, is that I was just never present. So because I was always about what's not yet done. So what that does is you achieve something and then we focus on the people who don't like us. We focus on the things that didn't go right as opposed to patting ourselves on the back for the things that did go right, tiny things, the big things. And so you miss the, the victories along the way. And, you know, I won an Emmy in 1992. I was one of the first voiceover actors to win an Emmy when they opened the category to voiceover actors being able to win an Emmy. Boy, do you deserve it. Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) At that time, it was what they call a juried award. So more than one person could win the Emmy. There were six of us who won. The four family members on The Simpsons, plus Marsha Wallace for Mrs. Krabappel and... um, Jackie Mason. So uh, he won as well. So I won the Emmy and those, so it's given at, uh, there are two Emmy award ceremonies for 
your listeners who may not know, there are the Creative Arts Emmys where they give, you know, makeup artists and the voiceover Emmy as well. And then the following week, usually, uh, they do the televised Emmys, which they call the Primetime Emmys. So I was presenting at the Primetime Emmys. And as I walked down the red carpet that night at the Primetime Emmys, nobody asked me about winning my voiceover Emmy. Hmm. So in my mind, I think, oh, I guess that Emmy doesn't count. I guess it there's no value there. So my Emmy sat in the closet for nine years. And I only tell that story because there I was I could literally so cry thinking of how that felt. It's so that is unbelievable that you'd be walking down the red carpet and no one's asking about that and how invisible that makes you feel and how small that makes you feel. That was and it. this is what people don't get because they look at you and they go, oh, she's lucky. She's wealthy. She got a break. She's got it all. And it's like, you're working so hard. People don't recognize how much work goes into doing this. You're great at it. No one's better than you guys. You're, you're it. And then no one's seeing it. It's just like, it's invisible. See, this is what's so brave and generous about you right now because you this is what people need to hear. You are so relatable and it's so beautiful that you'd be brave enough to share that. Thank you. You know, you, what I've learned is really the hard way. It took me so long. And I, I know you talk about being in therapy. I love therapy. I, I'm oh, yeah. I like going somewhere and teasing apart the things in my head with somebody who doesn't have any attachment to the outcome. Right. right. And also I've, you know, learned to try to do certain things. Like if I can't get out of my closet and I think, my God, I just feel fat today. Yeah. I think, okay, who are five people? Name five people in your life, Yardley, who don't think you're fat. Right, right. And right. then I'll, I go, okay, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and then I have little, um, you know how you, I know you talk about this in your book, that our thoughts create these little, literally these physical rivulets in our brains. Right, neural pathways. So, create, yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy, I think the premise is that you sort of reroute those rivulets. That's right. And so I have a couple of little phrases that I'll repeat in the car or in the shower, like happy, healthy, wealthy, or thrive, live, love. Mm-hmm or thrive, live, give, Yeah. to sort of, again, just as a little meditation that I can do without running off the road, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because for so many people, to do something great one time is already, that's a big feat. But to be able to do something over and over and over again and find the, the freshness in it and to keep delivering the same level, that's what's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. It almost seems impossible that you can show up for this show for 30 years <laughs> and you continue to deliver. Like everyone who's in has been in, they're still in, all the fans, nothing's changed. As part of this beautiful family, how do you continue to show up for work every day? And you personally, how do you not get like, I'm done. I have nothing left to give. How do you keep going and finding it fun and, and making something beautiful over and over and over again? For me, I really, really genuinely love Lisa Simpson. Like for me, she is as inspiring mm-hmm. a creature, a soul. She is as real 
to me, I think, as she is to the fans who truly love her. Mm-hmm. You know, she, though she is a, a two-dimensional cartoon, technically, she is as human as you and I, Kathy. And so I, I feel like it's such a privilege to get to be 33 and a third percent of the creation of that little being. Mm. I really, really, people ask me like, well, Yardley, do you feel like, uh, you know, being Lisa Simpson keeps you from getting other parts? Yeah, probably. You know, if you were only ever um, remembered for being Lisa Simpson, does that bother you? Not at all. If that is, if that was the thing that leads off my obit, hooray, huzzah. Like she, I really honestly believe in my heart and soul that she is one of the best fully formed, most complex, hilarious, deep, fascinating, funny female characters ever created for the big screen or the small. She is. And And I relate to her because she's sort of the adult in the whole picture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a lot, a lot of kids feel that way where you're growing up in a home where there's a lot of chaos around you. Everyone's well-meaning, but no one's really minding the store and you have to hold the line and you have to parent yourself and you have to be the one who makes sense and you have to be the one who moves everybody into let's do this. You know, like she is that. Yes. In what ways do you want to be like her? I feel like she's, the best version of me for sure. Her resilience is so aspirational to me. And I do feel like it's, it's taught me to be more optimistic. You know, she's that kid bounces back like nobody's business. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how she does it. Honestly, I always joke that the, the writers give something to Lisa Simpson and 22 minutes later, they've taken it away. Always. Whether yeah. it is a friend, yeah. a pony, an achievement, you know, her Thanksgiving diorama, and how her soul isn't completely crushed to smithereens beyond repair, I don't know. She's unrelenting. She really is. And so I just so admire her spirit. And so to play a character for this long and, in, and, and have to embody that journey every week, 22 times, 22 episodes a year, that can't not affect you and get into oh, your DNA. Right. And so in that way, she really has helped. It is a sort of a little, it's a form of therapy that I'm, I'm just deeply grateful to have, been a part of. Hmm. I honestly can't think of a more beautiful way for you to describe what this is like. And I'm sure fans of the show um, hearing this, just it makes them feel, wow, like she cares about her as much as I do. You know, they want to know that. Yeah. God. And talk about really being grateful for your life's work. I mean, that I think is sustaining you, right? Such a gift. You know, I've been extraordinarily fortunate and The Simpsons obviously pays well. And and I've been married twice and I've been divorced twice. And I've had years where I, you know, lived alone and I like my own company. So I'm all right with that. But I will say the best part about having so much is being able to share it with the people and the causes and Mm -hmm. the projects that are meaningful to you. In the years when I was by myself and 
I didn't, for instance, have a partner or I have a tendency to retreat when I find myself face down in the mud. I'm not a person who reaches yeah. out easily. Yeah. Um, it, there is a profound loneliness in that. And there is a kind of, what's the point of having so much? Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, I have all this money. So at least that, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that that's, yeah, it's kind of similar to moving the goalpost and we get the thing and then inherently nothing is intrinsically different about how we feel about ourselves, right? It doesn't necessarily make it different. And that's why, again, it's painful when people look at celebrities and they're like, well, you know, they have all these things. Uh, how, how could they be unhappy? It's like, well, they're just like you, you know, and they want to have a really solid, healthy attachment to a couple people who see them and show up for them who they can love and love back. And it's like the hardest thing to do on the planet. So yeah. Again, fill up the inside from the outside. Yeah. Let's just take a quick ad break to thank our sponsors. We're all working to create a business that we love, but it's easy to get swamped in admin work and you don't end up doing the parts that really light you up. Thankfully, HoneyBook can take those tasks off your to-do list so you can focus on why you started your business in the first place. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. They have easy to use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. Plus they have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. I really like that HoneyBook automates the busy work and it consolidates services that my team already uses like Google Suite and Excel. It really helps us simplify our day-to-day agenda and feel like we've got everything in place. And right now HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com slash dreamjob. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash dreamjob for 50% off your first year. That's tryhoneybook.com slash dreamjob. I just want to ask you one thing because there's a lot of creatives who listen to this show. Yeah. But one thing that comes to mind when someone wants to be a great actor, like what's one thing that you think of when you're going into read something, you're going to table read, like What's one thing someone can think of? They're going into an audition. One little thing. I always try to find the piece that resonates with me. And nowadays, when you audition, they you just usually get put on tape or you put yourself on tape. Right. You get very little feedback and very little intel. Yeah. So when you make a choice, yeah. make the choice. Yeah. Don't back out of it. It might not be right, but... As a person who's also produced, I really appreciate an actor who will lean into their decision and commit to it, even Mm -hmm. if it's not right. That shows me that you're not afraid to go there. Yeah. That shows me that that's a person that I want to engage and that I then say like, you know what, it might not have been the right decision, but let's have a conversation with that person and see if we can direct them and take them in another direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's having the courage to just commit, make, yeah, make a choice. That's so good. Um, One last question about your beautiful family at the Simpsons. You've been a part of so many movies, TV, theater, so much. What do you think it is about this group and the show? Like, why do you think it works so well? Uh, Because I think uh, the writers write for themselves. And this goes back to, you know, your tribe of 200 people versus trying to these 2,000 who aren't sort of, you're looking at you with one eye. Yeah. Now there's a 
very specific clause in the contract that our executive producer made sure was in there when we moved from the Tracy Allman shorts to half hour that said we would get no studio or network notes. So that means that the writer, which is unheard of. Never have heard that. Oh my God. And I always heard that that came about for two reasons. One, um, everybody thought the Simpsons would never last. We were what we call a mid-season replacement. So we started in the first half hour episode was a Christmas episode in 1989. And then the next 12 episodes started in January, 1990. Everybody's like, you're crazy. Can't put a cartoon on in primetime. Hasn't been done since Flintstones. You're out of your mind. Who cares about this cartoon? Live and be well. You can have whatever you want. (laughs) It's James L. Brooks, right? Who did Mary Tyler Moore and Taxi and Terms of Endearment. Just a few things. So uh, they were like, yes, you could have whatever you want. And now, of course, we're about to start recording season 32. So um, they write for themselves. I love that. They write for themselves. And that, you know, it goes back to do the thing that moves you. Do the thing that speaks to you. As you say in your book, listen to the whisper. If you can't stop thinking about it, it's a good idea. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of good ideas... So you guys, Yardley started her own podcast and I love the name of it. I love it. It's called Small Town Dicks and it's about big crime in a small town. Tell us what made you, you're already very busy. Why on earth would you be like, there must be something about this. You're like, I just have to do it. So tell us why this podcast and what it's about. Yes. So um, it's a true crime podcast. All of our cases are told by the detectives who investigated them. I co-host. Wow, that, that's so cool! Love which that, which is amazing. And 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 you know, you see that quite a bit on television, but in the podcast space, it's it's quite a bit rarer. Yep. I co-host the podcast with identical twin detectives Dan and Dave, <laughs> and we actually haven't really said this on the podcast, but Dan and I are uh, engaged to be married. Oh, yay! That makes me so happy. It's, I love you know, hearing that. Times the charm, Kathy. Yep. Yeah, that's the charm. Um, so when I started dating Dan, and we don't actually say in our podcast where the crimes take place, we change all the names. We we only use the first names of our detectives. So when I started dating Dan in his small town, mm-hmm. I would go up there about every two weeks to see him, and his brother Dave lived about a block away. So on the weekends, of course, Dave would come over, and they would just talk about their day, their week, their anything. And I'm not kidding. Their Tuesday was so unbelievably <laughs> jaw dropping was so like, I'm sorry, what? Right, right. And that was their every day. And yeah, we're all so desensitized to what they're doing. What police detectives, even, I mean, you, you, we just, we live in our own little bubble. We don't get yeah. it. Yeah. And these are, I became truly fascinated about who are these people who go toward the things that the rest of us run from. Mm, that's and interesting. Every one of these detectives say it's a calling, it's not a job. Mm. It really is uh, as much as we as performers, you know, people say, oh my God, aren't you afraid of being in front of 18,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl? You're like, no, that's good for me. Me being at a dinner party with, you know, 30 people I don't know, I would rather die. Yeah. But <laughs> oh my God, put me yeah. on stage. Hooray! I've never been happier, never been more comfortable. doesn't mean I don't get nervous backstage, but the rest of it I can totally handle. 
for these men and women who can who walk into crisis every single day and see the worst of humanity every single day and do that for 25 years is just a very different animal. And so part of what I wanted to do in the podcast was not only hear about how do all of the dominoes in a case that you investigate need to line up in order for justice to be served, and boy, do they, yeah. because you can also have all of your dominoes line up, have every, like all the evidence in the world, and then have a DA not file, mm-hmm. which is so beyond frustrating. It's ridiculous, yeah. But where does that live inside of you as a human being? Right. So I, as the layperson sitting across the table from mm. the detectives, always ask, so you go to this call where, you know, a husband has just murdered his wife and there are three children left behind. What do you do when you go home that night? Where does it live in you? And it's fascinating. And they all say, well, you just, you put it in a box. The problem is the lock on that box isn't that good. Yeah. And eventually, we did two episodes with um, dispatchers. And one of the dispatchers said something I never forgot. She said, "We yes, you put it in a box. But the truth is, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. And so for for me, what I... I I also like order. I was always a real rule follower. So I also like knowing that if the train is coming off the tracks, if there are people out there who have no interest in following the rules that the rest of us follow in order for society to function well, I do want to know that there's a power bigger than me that's willing to go in there and put the train back on the tracks, right? But I, like you say, everybody has a story. Everybody thinks their story isn't that interesting and everybody is wrong. And I am just fascinated by not only the case, but the human being behind that case. And when we, Dan and Dave and I, ask these detectives, we always say, we want to hear the case that you're most proud of. So maybe it was your first one. Maybe it was the one that everybody said, you'll never solve this. Or maybe it was something that you just never forgot. And you have the picture of the victim on your bulletin board still, right? It yeah. doesn't, we're actually not interested in the one that made the paper or our cases are often ones that you don't read about on Wikipedia. It sounds so good and so important. And I keep coming back to how much empathy is like coming out of you. You know, like, I don't think most people would think that somebody who's as successful as you are and as everything, like, just has it all that she is still connected with small towns and people whose stories need to be told and who's so eager to hear and listen and sort of what's the story that this person has to tell. And that's probably another reason why you're such a great actress is that empathy of like this person's story needs to be told. And I just think that we need to take out a highlighter and circle that because that's such a through line in this conversation is that, that empathy. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell everybody where they can find small town dicks. Uh, Everywhere. We're on Spotify, Apple podcasts, um, Google play. You're five Uh, seasons in, right? 
Yes, we're five seasons in. We're about two and a half years old. We do about two seasons um, per year. And uh, we just finished season five. And uh, we're season six starts February 28th. Meanwhile, we just also launched a Patreon page. Good. Smart. A month, which is um, great. And what's great about the Patreon page is you get a fabulous cute little fancy little um, collector's pin, which is pretty cool. But what you really get is weekly extra content. So mm-hmm. it's little side conversations. It's uh, also extended suspect interviews. It's really lovely. I'm, I'm quite, quite delighted with our Patreon content because it's a real departure from the main. Yeah. So I feel like you get some added value, as you're always saying, you know, if you're, as you build your community, as you build your brand, you need to bring some added value to your thing. Yeah, exactly. So that people want to show up and check back. And so it's really going quite well. 12 million lifetime downloads now. That's so cool. Pretty excited about that. I'm not surprised because everything you just said, it it sounds so interesting. Last question is that you you know, you put out this podcast and you you made something and you've already made so many other things. And so you have a, a, a good track record of you think of something and you're like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm gonna audition for this, I'm gonna write this, make this, produce this. I think a lot of people feel like someone needs to give them permission mm-hmm. to make something that unless someone else tells them it's good. They're not going to go do it. Um, and they think no one's going to listen or there's already other true crime podcasts or there's already other whatever, fill in the blank. So what do you want to leave them with as it relates to that? How do we give ourselves the permission to go make something when we think there's already a bunch of it? And who am I to do this? Well, one of my mottos is probably my main motto is screw it, let's do it. It's not mine, really. It's, it's Richard Branson's, but I'm, I stole it. I'm borrowing it. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, if you have the idea, if you hear the whisper, if you keep getting the idea, do it and then listen to me. I know that you want there to be a different answer, but you have to play the long game. Exactly. And, and if you love it, then just do it. Because again, if you're trying to fill up the inside from the outside, If you're trying to do it because you hope this will bring you success, and I'm, and I know, you know, yours, it is, of course, do quit your day job because you want your love to become your your full time work, right? The universe will answer it. Yeah, you know, if you're if you really are doing the thing that you love and you're invested in it because it feeds your everything because as you say, you can't wait to get up in the morning and you're like, Oh my God, I think we're really onto something. Like when, you know, we go to record new cases for the podcast. I'm like, I can't believe the incredible stuff that we have lined up already for season six. This is amazing. And never mind that it's going to take, you know, 25 hours to edit one episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, re- I remember when, when Martha Beck was on the podcast, you know, and she's Oprah's life coach and all of the things, and she has three Harvard degrees. And she said, I said one thing in my book and it's a bestseller. And all I said was do more of what makes you happy and do less of what you don't like. And people yes. go, Oh my God, what did you just say? <laughs> she's like, 
what? Why is that so revolutionary? And that's the thing. People are like, what a revelation, you know, just yes. like do the things you like, do more yes. of the things you like. Right. And part of the reason people sit there, they go, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. It's like, how much time do you even spend trusting that whisper and doing some stuff that you like? Maybe you'll find out you do know. You just don't spend enough time doing it. And boy, is your life such a testament to doing the stuff that you love. That's fun. And look where it leads. Yes. And it goes back to that thing that you said at the very beginning, which I really still grapple with and, and wonder why we are like this. And I think it's particularly true for women. But if we hear 10 phenomenal things about something that we did and one negative thing, all uh, it's a negative thing. Why is that? And we got to stop doing that. Yeah. Because we're always looking for evidence that what we believe is true. And so we believe deep down that we are unworthy. And so we're like, yes, that proves it. Thank you, sir, for giving me that criticism. Now I have the proof that I'm unworthy. Yeah. I'm so curious. I was going to ask you, how do you who lives here and does all of these things meet a guy in a small town? Oh, it's a great story, actually. So, um... This small town wanted to pay tribute to the Simpsons for the 25th anniversary. Shut up! This is how you... I, I'm... Okay, yeah. Keep going. And uh, they decided that they would go through 20th Century Fox. They would do it properly. So Fox said, great, we'll design it, you'll pay for it, and then somebody from the show will come to do the unveiling, and the whole thing took about a year. So originally, our showrunner, Al Jean, was supposed to go and do the unveiling. And then literally about two weeks before the ceremony, he couldn't go. So they came to me, and they said, Yardley, you want to go do this unveiling? And I said, no, no, I do not. And they said, oh, oh, please, please. Somebody has to go. And I'm like, oh, all right. And they said, but here's the thing. It's on a Monday and there are only two flights a day to this little tiny town. So you have to go on Sunday. And I'm like, God damn. All right. Getting worse by the second. And I'm thinking to myself, two things. One, okay, it's a tiny town. I bet you I'll be on basically an Apple box and the person who's in the front row will be like arm's length. And all I can think of is Monica Sellis on the tennis court being right. shoulder by fan. I'm like, right. okay, all right. I said, so uh, just, you know, what, like, what kind of security do you have? And they're like, oh, oh, we, oh, we didn't think of that. Well, hold please. So they go away and they come back about four <laughs> days later and they say, okay, we're going to assign you a plainclothes detective. And that was Dan. I can't. I can't. I cannot take it. And then I will say. Someone like, tell me there's no, there's no such thing as a higher power or synchronicity. Is this ridiculous? But you it gets better. Never. never. Gets better. So I had been divorced for six years at that point, And I had not dated. I had been face down in the mud after my second divorce. I was like, I'm good. And this was in 2014. So I was 50 at the time. And. What I found out after the fact was when the chief of police went to the pool of detectives and said that day, who wants to guard the celebrity? Nobody raised their hand. And so Dan, being the most junior detective in the department at the time, said, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because he didn't have a family or a wife or anything. He's like, fine, fine. I have to give up one of my days off to pick her up, but fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take one for the team. It's <laughs> so good. It's so, so good. yummy. And how, how far into that day were you like, hmm, who is this guy? 
You know what? Pretty, pretty immediately, because at this point in my life, because I've had, I've been fortunate to have so much success. I, I, I sit at the top of my pyramid, but I'm also, I'm a wary sort. And so um, there are not a lot of people who are in charge of me. And I've crafted my life that way. And I, I'm a, I've been a control freak. I've tried to be softer about that. And there's a great story about, I'll just tell you quickly, I took tango lessons. I just love the image of you taking tango lessons. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much. And I was, my tango teacher, For I'm not kidding, for the first two months, he would drop his arms and stand back and say, Yardley, you have got to stop leading. The point was, and it was a metaphor for my life, the dance doesn't work if we both lead. Yeah. Somebody has to follow. And what I realized when I got it was it was incredibly generous and gracious and sort of a relief to let somebody else be in charge of you. Mm. And so I learned to trust that. So when I met Dan, he was like that. He had this stillness about him that was so in charge without being overbearing in any way. He was, no, no, I got this. This is my job. You're my job. That and is so, so good. And it was so it was so quietly attractive to me. It was yeah. so okay. I just knew that I was in good hands. It's so good. I think that it makes a lot of sense. You know, 87% of this audience is female. What you just said resonates so much with what we're really seeking in a partner. But in our world today, women do everything, right? Women are working, they're taking care of everything, and the roles have kind of gotten confusing a little bit. And it's uh, it's a hard thing when love feels like the kind of thing I know for me. It's like, if you want to be loved, like earn it, produce, be productive, show up, and once in a while, you want someone to come along and go, you're good. You don't have to do anything. Yes. You don't have to be impressive right now. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to be Lisa. Like, you get to be off now. You're off duty. What a gift for you. This was such a gift. I had – talk about having fun. I had so much fun every hey, minute. You're uh, awesome. Let's do it again. Let's meet in person. Let's meet in person. I would love it. Okay. Um, Yardley Smith, you are an absolute delight. It was such a gift to get to know you and hear you. Uh, thank you for being here today. Thanks for making this time. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. I still can't believe that we had that moment together and she listened to my audiobook. Did you hear her say that? Is this real life? This really, really incredibly honored. And because she cares so much about you, she actually emailed me the day after we did the episode and she said, would you read this to the audience? Because there's something else that I really wish I would have said. So now I'm going to read you an email that she sent to me. Kathy, you asked me this question and I wanted to make sure that you read this to your listeners because I want them to hear this. What I really want actors to do when they audition is create balance because I didn't. And when my on-camera career began to seriously falter after 12 exceptional years of extraordinary success, I had no idea what to do. I often say I was like a house without a foundation. Yes, at that point I was on The Simpsons, but the half-hour series was only two years old when things started to slow down drastically for me on camera, and I was panicked because I didn't think voiceover was going to sustain me creatively. Also, in hindsight, the panic came from me 
tying my identity to my success and profession. I am what I do. This is such a slippery slope. Oh my gosh. Because the moment you aren't able to do what you love at the level you're used to doing it, you don't know who you are and you feel like a failure. So what I really want to impart to actors who audition a lot and want to know one secret that they should implement, I want them to find balance like your life depends on it because it does. So after your audition, reward yourself regardless of how you think your audition went in the room. Who cares? The point is you've likely just made yourself incredibly vulnerable. So you might need reassurance. You need to be seen. That means meet a friend for coffee or lunch or a walk. Go to a class you love. Do anything to take care of yourself that makes you feel whole and empowered. Do something, anything that centers you. Make your audition part of your day. I'm telling you this because I didn't know or do these things for many years. I attached my worth to my accomplishments. And while I still had The Simpsons, I didn't understand why my on-camera career was tanking when I had not taken my eye off the ball even for a second. And so I didn't know why I felt so defeated. But I had a massive identity crisis after Herman's head was canceled and I could barely get work on camera after that. It took me eight years to pull up my socks and try a different path, which is a whole other conversation we could have on the podcast, but a great one. Really, I just want to address the importance of balance and trusting your gut, which is what this podcast and your life are all about, Kathy. You are your tribe's touchstone. I completely understand why. I'm deeply inspired by you as well. How sweet is she? Amazing. I'm so touched that she cared that much. You guys, she's busy. She's really successful. And she cared to make sure that you heard those words. Thank you, Yardley, for being such an exquisite human. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, don't be attached to your vision of success and let that be the one and only way you'll achieve it. Stay nimble. Number two, you don't have to be fearless. Have an overabundance of courage. Number three, when you make a choice, make the choice. Don't back out of it. Lean into the decision and commit to it. Number four, listen to the whisper. Do the thing that speaks to you. Number five, everyone has a story. Number six, screw it, let's do it. Number seven, you have to play the long game. Number eight, you don't always have to lead. You can trust and let someone else be in charge. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're here, that you're listening to this show. I know that you have a million things you could be doing with your time. So it means a lot to me that you're here. There's so many more amazing episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a rating and review because it helps other people find the show. But if you really want to help support the show, the best thing you can do is to share it with someone. It could be a friend, a coworker, your sister, your dad, your aunt, your neighbor, any special soul you know who wants to come home to themselves, who wants to break free of their own limits, who wants to share their magic with their people. We are so worthy of this life or else you wouldn't not be here. I love you. I have a program. The enrollment is open till Friday. You can reach out to us. You can DM me if you have any questions. I will send you a voice note back. And because I'm so sure, and because I want to see you rise, I'm going to make sure that I let you know about this because enrollment will end on Friday and then you won't hear me talking about it anymore. But if you want to be a part of it, go to madetodothis.com and join me for three months and join me and Laura Bell Gray, and join me, and Jacqueline Malone, and join me, and let me help you figure out what you came to this world to do. So you go, bing, 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 that's it, that's it. And then you never have to have a job because your work is your life's work, because it's joyful. Because like Martha Beck said, if you hit your head on the pillow at night and you can say that you felt joy that day, that's a productive day. That's why we're on this planet. That's what we came to do here. And it reverberates and it changes the world. And there's so much inside of you that you keep you keep saying to yourself, who needs it? I'm not good enough. There's no room for me. Yes, there is. 
We've got to change the lens that you see through and we've got to write a new script and we're going to start also to give you my five-step launch method so that you can do it in a way where you're serving and giving, where it's not about 500,000 followers. It's about, can you start to figure out if there's six people that you can start to serve and how do you do that? We're going to figure out what to try, what to give, how you serve through empathy. It is all about that radical empathy. And I think that you will feel so exhilarated because this stuff works. Success leaves clues. Join me for this program. Go to madetodothis.com. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So